You're now listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. A Place of Refuge vision is to cause people to be productive in every aspect of life according to God's Word. For more information, please stop by our website at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Now, here's today's message already in progress. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We want to consider just one verse in 1 Corinthians 14, the 33rd verse. 1 Corinthians 14 and 33. Ready? For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Biblically, when it comes to the word church, You have to look at it two ways. The church, in one sense, represents the people of God. The Greek word for church, in reference to the people of God, is ekklesia, of the called out ones. Speaks of people that have been called out of sin into righteousness. Called out of darkness into the marvelous light of Jesus Christ. But then contextually, when he talks about as in all of the churches of the saints... It also has a reference to the house of God. Don't ever think that this building is just a building. This is a house of God. Very important to understand that. And I'm going to deal with that more as I deal with the text. But it's, under, but it's important to understand that God, again, is not the author of confusion, but of peace. As in all of the churches, temples, are houses of the saints, the building. Very important to know that this is God's house, his church. Amen? Now, that's not my primary subject that I'm going to deal with. My primary subject based upon 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 is 
the author of peace. That's my subject. The author of peace. Now let's give our God a hand as we go further. Notice the first words of, uh, first few words of 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 is God is not. In our day and time, people are saying things about God. But if the truth be told, what they're saying is not right. People say things like, God gave us common sense. That has no scriptural reference. None at all. Now, God gave us sense, but the common was put in that. Matter of fact, we know we have senses. And biblically speaking, we can't always depend on our senses, nor on the senses of other folk. Even a simple sense as such as smell. To smell is a sense. How, how many times have, have you smelt something and, and, it, and when you smelt it, it smelt like chicken, but it wasn't. That smelled like such and such, but it wasn't. Because your senses are a part of you your senses will sometimes be in error. Because as humans, we are not omniscient. We don't know everything. So sometimes even again, our senses will be wrong. Right? As humans, we sometimes have strong opinions. Moreover, we listen to the opinions of others who have strong opinions. But there's a distinction between a strong opinion and the truth. You can have a strong opinion and, and believe it as if it is truth. But that does not make it true. We have to be careful as Christians because we cannot just live by opinions. We have to live by truth. That's the reason it's important for us in the present day and time that we're living in to understand the significance of John 16 and 13 as it pertains to the church where Jesus specifically said in the first part of that verse, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. Oh, 
letting us know, look, that there is nobody on earth that I can trust to guide you in reference to truth. Because people are opinionated. People base certain things on what they have learned. And some of what they have learned, they did not get from God. They got it from men. And often they get it from men that on one that in one sense are intelligent, but being intelligent is not enough. Especially when you're intelligent, but you don't believe in God. I have met brilliant folk, but the one flaw was they didn't believe in God. Because if they couldn't prove it on paper, that means it's not true to them. Now, see, as a Christian, we can't go there with them simply because we believe in God even though we have never seen him. And we don't need, we don't need to see anything on paper because God has done enough in our lives for us to believe in him despite not seeing him. Are you with me so far? And so you have to be careful when, when people get to talking about God and uh, God gave us this and God gave us that. Everything needs to be in accordance with the word of God. There is a reference. If somebody is saying something about God, they need to have a reference. His word will bear witness. Amen? And so contextually, Paul wanted the Corinthian church to know that, listen, God is not the author of confusion. Now, an author, contextually, is someone that causes or creates something. Someone that Causes or creates something. God does not create confusion. God does not cause confusion. Especially in the church. Because that's what the reference is to in the text. But, but we can take it further than the church. But I'm just going to stick there. God is not the author of Confusion. No, he's not the author of confusion. If God told you to follow him, but you feel you need to follow something or somebody else, God is not the confused one. You are. I said, God is not the confused one. You are. That there was a time when when John, when the, when the uh, army of hosts a uh, basically God's archangel showed up to a battle that Israel was having, and Joshua asked the angel of the Lord, "Whose side of you on? You on our side or you on their side?" 
And the messenger just simply replied, neither. Letting Joshua know, I am following God. I'm not, I'm not going to separate myself. I'm just going to stick to what God would have me to do. And see, that's the mind of a child of God. Because when you stop following God, you're going to enter into a state of confusion. And you have to know when you, when you enter into that state or get on that path that God is not there with you. Why? God is not the author of confusion. Confusion is uncertainty. Is being unstable. It's a state of chaos. When something is chaotic, um, it has to do with something being void. To be void is to be ineffective or useless. God will never allow something to happen just to happen. God is useful, not useless. God is effective. God can just think it and it happens. Speak it and it happens. Simply because he is effective. He is not the author of uncertainty. I just don't know. Well, yet that, that's not God. Well, they said such and such yesterday. Today they say in this. I just wonder. Why are you wondering? That's confusion. You shouldn't even deal with that. Just ask God what to do. You know, because he said in Proverbs 3, 5 and following, trust in him with all of our heart and lean not until our own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge me. What you going to do? I'll direct your path. Even told us that it was unhealthy for us. To trust ourselves. One prophet said. Curse. Is he who trusts in the arm of flesh. For his deliverance. Salvation. Belongs to God. That's the reason Jesus came to save. His name means Savior. The one that delivers, protects, and causes the prosper. He is not the author of confusion. And see, man will try to bring confusion in reference to God and all that pertains to God. 
Man asks crazy questions that, that are confusing even to ask certain things. Where is God in all this? He's the same place he always been. Why is that? He changes not. He don't change. He's where he's always been. Well, where should the saints be in all this? Where God told them to be. But that's not the case. Now, now it's different if you're a babe or, or if you're somebody have not been trained to learn. It, it's expected of you to do certain things. It's expected of you to think, talk, and do certain things because you have to learn or be trained. But when you have been in God for years, when you have testimonies of how God has did the impossible for you, how God has turned things completely around for you, how God showed up and showed out when the odds were against you. You should never allow anything or anybody to, to move you from your fixed place. Well, you know, it's uh, the trials of life. Well, the Bible war uh, warns us, e even tells us what to do when the trials of life come. First Peter 4 and 12 says, think it, what? Not strange, concerning the fiery trials, which are to what? Try you. Try me? Yeah, try you. It's going to come against your mind. It's going to try to bring confusion. But you have to remember what you say to for the best place to be and the safest place to be is where? In the will of God. You have to remember that because confusion is real. But you have to always remember, remember based upon this verse right here of 1 Corinthians 14, 33, God just ain't in no confusion. See, confusion is messy and God is never messy. Well, you know they saying such and such. They, they've been saying a whole lot of things. They changed their mind on Monday, go back to saying what they said on You can fill in the blanks. So what do we do? They saying this and then they saying that and they say it says that. You just obey God. God set us up. Yes, he did. He set us up. Told us before all of this happened. Look, the thing for 2020. Follow the omniscient God. And, and sometimes we, we take things lightly. Then when certain things hit, if we're really in God, we'll be like, oh, now I understand. Because, see, God ain't changed his agenda. John, God has not changed his agenda. Whoa, some of y'all ain't happy. God ain't changed his agenda. Nothing is going to stop God from doing what he promised. Second Corinthians 1 and 20. All of the promises of God in him are. And amen. So whenever you hear confusion, the best thing for you to do, if it's on TV, cut it off. Your family talking about it. Go to the other room. 
or leave the house. Instead of staying focused. And letting all that confusion just get in your being. To the point to where you start thinking, talking, and acting. I'm not trying to hurt you. Like a sinner. I'm not trying to hurt anybody. Just telling the truth. You can't do that. You are a child of God. You're a child of God. And if you are in leadership, you got to be an example. You are a leader of God. You are a minister. You serve. You are a servant of God. Well, say what you want. No, it, see, it's, it's bigger than me. That's reading. I've been quoting scripture right and left. Rightly dividing the word. Everybody has been going through something, but you have to stick to the plan. Stick to the mandate. God is not the author of uncertainty. That's not him. God is a sure God. God knows the ending from the beginning. God is the only one I know that that can tell you something. Five years before it happens. And, and, And when it finally manifests, then he allows you in hindsight To remember that he told you it was going to come into being. It's just like everything that's happening right now. God had already allowed writers to to put it in scripture. In the latter days, this, that, and the other going to happen. And when you look around, oh! God told us. Thousands of years in advance that this what we see, this what we are experiencing was going to happen. He didn't use the fancy words that they coming up with. He was just plain. But everything he said is taking place right now. He said, there'll be a great falling away from where the church. Then he went on to say, impossible, even the very elect shall what? Be deceived. You ain't even talking like you no preacher. Who done deceive you? You ain't even acting like you Feel with the Holy Spirit. Who been messing with your mind? It ain't God. Why? God is not the author of confusion. I got to move on. 
But he does call God the one that causes or creates peace. He's the author of peace. He is the author of a reign. The Hebrew word for peace. Or the Greek word for peace. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom. But Arain and shalom mean the same exact thing. The primary meaning is prosperity. Productivity. God can cause you to prosper even in a pandemic. But pastor, I've been afflicted by the pandemic. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. But the Lord. Delivers. Them out of all. Is that Bible? Psalm 34 and 19. He's a God of prosperity. God will allow you to go down a rough road. A road that seems impossible for you to get off of. But but God will allow you to go, go down that rough road. And if you keep going, there's pavement ahead. It's rough for you, but if you just keep going, you're going to run into some pavement. Some of us know what it is to be on a back road in Georgia or Alabama. Ain't nothing but, but, but dirt and, and dust everywhere. But, but you just keep on going. You won't turn around. You just keep going. And sooner or later, you not only run into pavement, you see a sign that's letting you know, oh, I know where I am. <laughs> there go I 20. He is the author of peace. We don't have confusion. But we have to remember God is the author of peace. He's going to cause you to prosper no matter what you go through. He's going to cause you to prosper. He's going to cause you to have great suck. Says. But see, there are certain things that, that you have to do in order to receive God's peace. He told Joshua who he knew was fearful. He said, Joshua, I don't need you to be afraid. I need you to be very courageous. Joshua, you a leader. I, I, I don't need you to be fearful. Because you're going to be the very one that's going to take these folk across this Jordan and divide the land unto them. See, God sent fearful folk home. Because they ain't ready to fight. 
Because see, fearful folks will cause confusion. And God is not the author of confusion, but of peace. Prosperity. Prosperity. Isn't it amazing how God can let you go through something? Horrendous. But bring you out. On this side or the other side. I let folk know I'm, I'm coming out of whatever I go through. Whether he bring me out on this side or the other side. Why you say it like that, this side or the other side? That's how Paul put it. Paul knew that, that he was getting ready to phase Nero's chopping block. And, and so Paul knew, look, I'm going to come through this whether on this side or on the other side. He, he said, now, if, if I come through it on this side, I'm going to come through for y'all's sake. But on the other hand, I, I, I really want to just go on to be with the Lord. Bottom line, he would have rather came out on the other side. But the bottom line, as a child of God, you're going to come out of whatever you go through. Whether on this or the other side. It's a win-win for us. I said it's a win-win for us. Romans 8 and 28. All things work together for the good to those who love God. And to those who are the call according to his purpose. In your trouble, you can shout about coming out. You can leap about coming out. You can turn in victory about coming out. See, if, if, if God is not the author of peace, he can tell you when you are in the midst of trouble that you're more than a conqueror. If he was the author of confusion, he couldn't say that you were going to come out. But he speaks certain things because of his character. Because of who he is. He is the author of peace. It's just like in, in the midst of what we'll be going through. God has been speaking to a number of you that all is going to be well for you. Have spoken to a number of you. I'm going to take care of you. But if he was confused, God will be talking things like, I don't know how you're going to come out of this, Barry. I don't know if you're going to make it or not out of this. He's a God of prosperity. And everything he says will come to pass. I'm getting happy. But Matthew 24 and 35 says, heaven and earth shall pass, but not God's word. Isaiah 55 says once he sends forth his word it will not return unto him void. 
What is he going to do? Everything that he sent it to do. And God hovers over his word. He makes sure that everything happens in the order that he ordained for it to take place. God is the author of prosperity. That's the reason after he allowed Job to go through all of that trouble that it went through. Then the Bible tells us in Job the 42nd chapter. And God what turned the captivity of Job. Gave him what twice as much as he had before all the trouble took place. Who turned it? God. God is known for turning things around. You can't be the author of confusion and turn things around. But he's the author of peace in all his churches. Look at, look at, look at this as I get ready to close. First Corinthians 14, 33. I'm going to read the whole verse. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. See, they are churches, but they're not God's church. That's the reason Paul at this time, even in the first century church, had to be distinct as in all the churches of who? The saints. He just didn't say in all the churches because even in the first century when when the church first started, they had false churches popping up. them pop it up and some folks say well it's just a building I need to show you something I do go with me to Matthew 21 Matthew 21 I'm going to start at verse 12. Matthew 21, 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God, a place, but it was God's house. Lord, have mercy, Jesus. And drove, what? Out. All who bought and sold in the temple. And overturned the tables of the money changers. And the seats of those who sold doves. Seemed like Jesus cared about the church. Building. Seemed like it wasn't just a place to him. The house of God was important to Jesus. Just like the house of God should be important to the saints. Jesus was not going to let them just do anything in the church. 
Jesus was not going to allow them to bring the world's system into the church. He turned over tables. Now, you know, somebody had to be ready to fight him. They done organized that table, got everything set up, and here come Jesus, and they probably thought he, he was crazy. Oh, that crazy man turning over these tables. Don't you know I just set that table up, and here you come in here throwing it over? He cared about the church house. The church is a sanctified place. It's not a this place. The church is a sanctified place. You don't have to ask God to come in here. God lives here. This ain't Walker's. This ain't yours. This is God's house. God allows us to come here to serve and to worship him. And Jesus clarifies it right here. This is what he says as we continue in verse 13. And Jesus said to them, it is written, my house. Who is the my? God's house. What do we call a place of refuge? God's it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Prayer equates worship. The Greek word prosukome, which has to do with prayer, praise, and every accolade in reference to the worship. And it shall be called a house of prayer. Now look what he drops on. But you, look at this, have made it into a den of thieves. See, see, people being free moral agents can make the church into something God never intended for it to be. It's a lot going on, but I, I refuse to make God's church into a house of fear. A house of chaos. Are we going to be prayerful and try to do things that we need to do? Yes. But not to the point to where God's house is a house of fear. A house of chaos. A house where people are afraid to do what God said to do in the scripture. He said dance in his house. He said lift holy hands in his house. He said come to his house. So you can be enlightened. David said I almost fainted. Almost gave up. 
What happened, Dave? Until I went into the sanctuary. And when I went into the sanctuary, then I was enlightened. It was revealed to me the end of the wicked. But he could only get that revelation when he went to the house of God. You can't stay at home and expect to get all God has ordained for you to have. There are certain things that God will only release in his house. Y'all all right? And so, we have to further understand, go with me to Matthew 16. Father mercy. He is the author of peace in all the churches of the saints. But let's take it further. Matthew 16 and 18. Now, this is what he said to Peter. And the disciples were listening. He said, on this rock, I will be on my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. The main thing I want you to see in this passage is who's going to build the church? Christ. Wait a minute, y'all ain't listening. No, no, I'm going to read it one more time, but I want you to get this. Notice this. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock, I will build my what? Who's going to build the church? God. He going to build the church ecclesia, the saints of God. He going to build the church the building. He going to make sure that everything is set in place in his church. Because that's what he did initially with, with the tabernacle. Told told Moses, look, This is what I want you to have on the north side. This is what I want you to have on the south side. This is what I want you to have on the east side. Setting up a tent, a portable tent at that time that eventually became a building. But it was important that Moses set up the tent, the building, the place, exactly the way God ordained for it to be set up. Why? Because God was the builder of the church then and he's the builder of the church now. Whether we are talking about the people or the building. This is not Walker. This is Bible. He builds it. He builds it. And, and, And then he closes it out And the gates of who? Hell. Shall what? Not prevail against it. You going to let folk come into church? They say, yeah. So I can pray for them. I'm praying for them on the street. You know as a pastor, I'm going to pray for in the church. Well, suppose they got the virus or something else. So? No Bentley thing. Shall harm you. I believe that. Ooh, some of y'all looking now. 
Some of y'all looking now. You done forgot the Bible? True elders, true men and women of God will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But not that sickness. It didn't say that. Don't get religious on me. But when it comes to his church, the gates of hell shall not what? They're not going to triumph. But is hell going to come against the church? Yeah. Some of us know what it is to fight demons. Some of us know what it is to be in warfare. But we also know what it is to get the victory. And we know what gives us the victory. First John 5 and 4, the victory that overcomes the world is even our faith. But notice again, he says in 1 Corinthians 14 and 33 that he is the author of peace as in all of the churches of the saints. Of the saints. Let me show you one scripture and then I'm done. Psalm 16. Psalm 16 and 3. You ready? Psalm 16 and 3. As for the saints who are on the earth. See, even David knew some saints who were up in heaven at the time. That's the reason he had to clarify as for the saints on earth. And notice the word in carefully. They are the excellent ones. David is speaking of their character not being flawless, but their character being distinct from those of sinners, from those of people that do not know God. Peter, in the same vein as as David here in Psalm 16 and 3, called the saints of God peculiar. We are peculiar people. Then Paul called them a, a number of things. You're, you're more than conquerors. Even went so far as, as to call God's children heirs of God and join heirs with Christ Jesus. And, and then the angel that showed up to Gideon would, would, call, would call children of God mighty men or women of valor. We have to recognize that we are the excellent or distinct ones. And we have to carry ourselves as such 
See, when God said no weapon that is formed against you will prosper, he, he wasn't talking about sinners. He was talking about saints. When God talked about it working out for your good, he wasn't talking about sinners. He was talking about saints. When God released his Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, he didn't release it to sinners. He released it to saints. Who are you? If you are a saint, act like a saint. If you are a sinner, go ahead and be fearful. Go ahead and cry like a baby boy or girl because of your circumstance or situation. Who are you? A saint or a sinner. Kind of tight. You're not flawless. You're not spotless. You may, you may make a mistake time you leave the church. But the one thing you have to know about yourself, even though you're not perfect, you are blood washed. You are born again. You are a child of the most high God. I know I'm saved. I know I'm filled with the spirit of God. And, and I'm going to tell you something else. I know the best person to follow is God. I'll listen to what you have to say until you start talking crazy. Because I'm like Joshua. I'm going to serve God. Why? He is the author of peace. I don't get no confusion with him. I don't have to wonder with him. There is no guesswork with him. All I have to do is have an ear to hear what the spirit is saying to me. And then just obey. And everything going to work out. I'm done. Thank you for listening to the A Place of Refuge Productive Living Podcast with Bishop Barry D. Walker. Please stop by our website for more information on our church at www.aplaceofrefugechurch.org. Until next time, remember, Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly.